you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, JC softball team. As long as, you know... Uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, the the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know that crap like that. You know all this stuff that's contaminated America, where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring little league anymore. Is we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? Turn that damn fuel box Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy, what's going on? <laughs> Man, it sounds like it was a rough weekend for Cousin Shane. Why are you so down, Shane? Oh, Mike, what is there not to be down about? I mean, the Tennessee Vols suck. Um, I don't even know what's going on with the coaching situation. I've, I've, I've read about five different threads. We've got him fired. He's coming back, so I don't know what's going on there. We got... Um, I, I think the biggest one, the uh, well, obviously, I lost a lot of money this weekend. I mean, there's that. I did win uh, the, the Alabama spread, so I kind of came back there. But I was really disappointed with the over-under with the Ole Miss. I thought with the weather, that'd be a, that'd be a, you know, a no-brainer, especially with the opt-outs and everything like that. I could, that couldn't be further from the truth. Those guys scored like 200 points in the game. <laughs> uh, and then the biggest one. Uh, the one that we're going to get to here in a second is this damn college football playoff committee. The dumbest shit I have ever seen in my entire life. It's just an absolute shit show, Mike. Texas A&M got screwed. In my opinion, Florida got screwed. I know they're a two-loss team, but I think, honestly, with both those and Alabama in there, it's going to be a lot better games than than uh, some of these other yahoos we brought in. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just start right there before we get into the games like we normally do, because obviously that's the big topic, the college football playoff. Those were announced on Sunday, and I assume everybody's seen it by now. But Alabama, number one, no surprise. Number two, fresh off of ACC championship victory, Clemson. I can, And again, I can understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think that was a surprise. The only loss they had, double overtime on the road, no Trevor Lawrence. Now, here's where things get a little hairy. <laughs> Number three, Ohio State played five games this season. 
Jeez. They beat Indiana and Northwestern. Those are their key victories. <laughs> that is signature wins. All right. <laughs> just just soak that up for a second. Somebody walks into the room in, in twenty eighteen and tells you, Hey, two years from now, I'm gonna tell you who Ohio State's gonna beat in five games. One of them's Indiana and the other one's Northwestern. That's a guarantee to the college football <laughs> playoffs. You'd called me nuts, Mike. It's ridiculous. These boys are out here in the SEC that they're the ones the only reason that that Ohio State even has games played is because the big boys down in the Southeastern Conference decided to play college football. And these guys limped in two months later, pieced this shit together, and now all of a sudden they're just a no-brainer for the college football playoffs? Get out of here, Mike. Yeah, and I was prepared to have Ohio State in the field, Shane, if they came out. You know, there was a lot of talk. One thing you didn't, we didn't mention here, Big Ten even had to change the rules just to get Ohio State into the championship game yep. because they did not meet the requirements that they set forth entering their shortened season. But I was prepared to, to you know, have no issue with them in there, Shane, being undefeated. Me too. Because Me I, ass- too. I assumed they were going to go into this Big Ten championship game against a Northwestern team that doesn't have a single player that they would have recruited. And I thought they were going to win by like 50 or 60 points to send a message. But that's not what happened. Uh, they almost mm-hmm. lost to Northwestern. They were losing yep. for much of that game. And, you know, I'm not sitting here trying to disrespect Northwestern because I think they got a good coach and a good program. But, you know, I could name about eight SEC teams I think would beat them. You know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's kind of the issue here is just no one saw Florida losing to LSU. And that's what happens mm-hmm. when you play eight SEC games in a row. You lose games that no one sees coming. And how about this stat, Shane? Uh, Ohio State, they only played back-to-back weeks, consecutive weeks, one time this entire Jeez. season. Yet we're in, they're in the college football playoff. Mm-mm-mm. It's just so dumb. I mean, it couldn't be more scandalous just how they 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 created a, a a championship game. They bent rules to make this happen. And how is it fair? You look at a team like Alabama, okay? They've been dominant. They've proved it week in, week out. They don't have a starting center. Their best receiver's out. There's injuries. There's COVID situations that they've had to deal with. Hell, their coach didn't even get to coach a ball game. I mean – they went through it. Ten weeks, ten SEC games. And and these guys are just they're gonna come in fresh. It's it's a totally different animal when you have an extra month of of less practicing games to deal with and, and toll on your bodies. They're gonna be more fresh than than the SEC teams that they face. So it's just it's just I mean, we should be fair about this. These guys are the first ones to opt out. They decided to come back in later. They shouldn't get favoritism or special treatment because of the decisions that they made off medical advice that was faulty. Mm-hmm. And the main takeaway I have from this, shade, I mean, the lesson learned, I think, is the SEC got punished for playing all their games. And yep. the, right here is exhibit A for the, for the rest of time when people say, well, SEC played ten game, ten you know league games. Why can't they do that again, or why can't they do nine? Exhibit A, right here. We're, they're only going to play eight for the rest of eternity. Yep. Had they played just eight this year, we probably would have had 
Alabama, Texas A&M, Florida. Yep. I mean, hell, they probably all would have been in there. Maybe Georgia would have been in there. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So that's, I mean, it's a dangerous lesson that they're setting here, but it's the lesson is, you know, just go undefeated and you don't have to play anybody. We'll take care of you. And for everything we and just said. Not even the worst one, Mike. Yeah, Get to the yeah. worst one. For everything we just said, it's compounded here. Number four, not Texas A&M. It's mm. Notre Dame fighting Irish coming off a 30-point loss to Clemson. Now, they did beat Clemson, but again, no Trevor Lawrence. Double mm-hmm. overtime at home. Clemson was down a number of starters. And I don't understand, and, and keep in mind here, we want to talk about, you know, changing rules and whatnot acc just said to hell with uh, the last game of the season let's clemson and notre dame don't have to play they've already locked up the acc championship so let's not acc could have done that but and what happened florida lost to lsu so that's the danger that's why acc did that so that they could preserve these two teams they meet in the championship game it was not even competitive clemson just beat the hell out of them with trevor lawrence back in the lineup I don't even understand what was the point of that game. Why why did they even play that if it didn't matter what happened, if it uh, if they were both going to get in? And that should have been basically a mini playoff game like Alabama-Florida was. And the loser should not have gone to the college football playoff from this ACC championship game. No, without a doubt, man. I mean, think about this, guys. Notre Dame beat Clemson in double overtime without Clemson having the best quarterback in the country. So, you know, I know a lot of people are going to talk about these other guys, but let's just face it. You know, everybody wants Lawrence in the NFL. Uh, I'm watching the Jets. Jets fans are pissed off. They won a game today (laughs) because now the Jaguars have the shot to get them. That's where they're at. So in double overtime, that's what it took for Notre Dame to beat Clemson. And then now that they're both, staffed up here it's a 31-3 shellacking or whatever the score was it's not even close to being a ball game and we're supposed to just accept that Notre Dame is the fourth best team in the country I mean what games have you guys been I mean clearly they do not have the SEC championship or the SEC games on their on their docket because Texas A&M yes they lost to Alabama but it was early in the season man and they have done nothing but improve since that game. This isn't the same team that lost to Alabama earlier in the season. You know what I'm saying? Right. No, without a doubt. And that I kept hearing that all over ESPN. Well, Texas A&M got blown out by Alabama. Mm. And I even heard Paul Feinbaum say, well, you know, they struggle with Vanderbilt. But, I mean, <laughs> hell, that was uh, three months ago, and things changed, exactly. buddy. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, Ohio State, the year they won it all, they lost uh, to Virginia Tech. I mean, we didn't hold that against them. Exactly. Uh, Alabama's had a number of teams that have lost to Ole Miss and gone on to win the national championship. We didn't hold that against them. And, and I, we're hold, again, we're holding a loss to number one team on the road, a team that's just destroyed everybody it's faced. And mm-hmm. we're complaining that Texas A&M lost to them like everybody else. It just, no, that, I, that just doesn't add up. A fully loaded Alabama. Remember, I just told you the center's out and the best receiver's out. They weren't during that game. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. This ain't the same Alabama Crimson Tide either. They're they're kind of limping into this game. So, 
they really swung and miss here, man. This, I, I mean, I was so upset. I kind of wish they went back to the BCS era. You know what I'm saying? I just, I was, I just put it back in the computer's mind. You know what I'm saying? Just, <laughs> I, I love the idea of the committee, but apparently, I don't know what these guys have watching or, or what they're, what's being held over their head. Uh, but it, it, you know, I, it would not surprise me if some slimy allegations come out of this thing. Yeah, without a doubt. But, uh, Hey, buddy, we got a couple games to recap, and then we'll get to the rest of the bowl action. Uh, you ready to uh, break down some of these games? Let's do it. That's how you finish right there, and you put your roof on somebody. You guys, I'm going to tell you something. How far we've came from what went on when the pandemic hit and all the things that are going on, the things you've overcame, the mental strain, not just the physical part, man, the mental strains with your families and all the things that are going on and everybody else the distractions you all stayed together so the maturity the leadership on this team was tremendous you young guys body into what you're doing and everybody this this is as good as i've been around man i'm gonna tell you i've been in this business a long time team that can play together love together be together you got something special going on in here you changed the culture the culture is now changing things are here you belong in the damn playoff you belong up there with the best in the country we're as good as anybody in the damn We'll get to that Texas A&M game here in a moment, Shay, but we got to start with the SEC championship game. Alabama, number one, beats Florida, number seven, 52-46. to 46. And, man, if you love defensive football, you were crying <laughs> during this one because this one, there was only uh, one quarter in which one of the teams was shut out. Alabama was shut out in the third quarter. But the rest of the game, I mean, the rest, they all scored multiple points the rest of uh, the game. I mean, this was a high-flying affair. And, you know, everyone expected Alabama to win. And it was even questionable if Florida could even cover. And, you know, you got to really credit the Gators. I know there were some, some clock management issues that I want to get to. But aside from that, I mean, they showed up. They gutted it out. They played toe-to-toe with the best team in the nation. And they had, I know it wasn't much of a one, but they had an opportunity at the end of the game to steal one here. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, there's no such thing as moral victories. I'm not trying to say that. But I think if you're a Gator, you're damn proud of how your team showed up. And you just got beat by, you know, a team because you made a couple errors. And some of that's on coaching. But you have to be flawless when you play Alabama. And they just weren't mm-hmm. because there's just no stop in this damn team. Mac Jones, 418 yards passing, five touchdowns. Najee Harris was just player. He was named MVP. He had five touchdowns in this thing. And then Devonta Smith broke the Alabama record, Shane. 15 catches, 184, two touchdowns. You you had to cover one guy. It was one guy they couldn't cover. (laughs) But uh, what were your thoughts on uh, Alabama's latest win here? Well, again, I thought this was a really, really good ball game, man. Um, You know, this was one that – you know, we talked about going into that Florida just they had to be perfect. Not maybe not a hundred percent perfect, but ninety percent perfect. You know what I'm saying? And they just couldn't afford to make the mistakes because Alabama is just loaded top to bottom, both sides of the ball, and they showed that, man. They were they they did just enough on defense. They showed they kind of flexed at times on offense, which Really, we haven't got to see in a while. This is the first time they really had somebody that went toe-to-toe with them. Uh, so it was really nice seeing this high-flying offense. And it was just a 
it was just an all around really good game. I mean, when you walked away from this thing, you just, you got your money's worth brother. Yeah. And uh, now, you know, this is just where Alabama's at Shane, where for weeks and weeks, a lot of people thought Mac Jones was going to win the Heisman. And then that has shifted to Devonta Smith. And then mm-hmm. after this game, hell, people were saying Najee Harris. So, I mean, it's almost like <laughs> pick your damn Alabama player you want to win the Heisman. But uh, uh, as of re- as of recording, Devonta Smith now the favorite to win the award after this epic performance. Who's your Heisman favorite right now, Shane? And, and if it's uh, not one of these Alabama guys, which one would you pick? Oh, uh, well, I, I'm kind of on the – I'm on the Devonta Smith. Uh, Smitty is is I mean what he's been able to do. We've had some great receivers come through the SEC, but I mean it's just game in game out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know he stepped in, yeah, and, and just took over. And he's just uh, that's what an MVP is. That's what a Heisman candidate is. It's like if you remove Devontae Smith, I don't know what this Alabama team looks like. But I, I don't know. I can't guarantee that they want, would have won Saturday. You know what I'm saying? Right. So that's that's my favorite right now. You know, I really wanted – I, I pushed hard for trash. Can you know that? But he just – when you, you lost too many games. That's yeah. that's what that boils down. Uh, if if they, they shouldn't have lost the LSU game, uh, to be honest with you, they they should be a 10-1 ball club right now. If they would have played – like they did Saturday every game this year, there's no doubt in my mind Florida's still going to a college football playoff with a 10-1 and record. Now, if somehow Trask found a way, some miracle at the end of the game to score the game when it touched down, he's probably the Heisman winner, don't you think? Yeah, if not, you know, definitely up there. But I don't know. My my. After this committee coming out with college football playoffs, you just never know what the hell's <laughs> going to happen. I'm sure – there's some three-win three win team that we're not thinking about out here. It's got an awesome running back. <laughs> so, uh, no, I, what, what Trask has done, again, it has been, you know, very impressive, too. It's just the, the loss has really, really caught up to him. And, and even if he won, I could still see folks making arguments on keeping him out just just because just it's not – I mean, not to take anything away from Kyle Trask because he's still impressive, but – First half of the season, Kyle Trask, compared to second half, if you would have flip-flopped it, I think it, we would be uh, definitely at least considering him as a Heisman uh, hopeful. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's kick it over to Nick Saban after the game, Shane. And uh, if he can't make out these questions, he's asked about Landon Dickerson's injury. The offensive uh, lineman, unfortunately, went down in this one. And on the game plan against Florida, controlling the clock as much as they possibly could. I just wondered what the latest was on Landon Dickerson. What happened to him, and uh, do you know what the injury was? He has a knee injury. Uh, we don't know the extent of it. We'll do an MRI tomorrow uh, and find out. That's uh, pretty, pretty serious, I think. But we don't know for sure how serious. Well, I think he's probably one of the most popular guys on our team. Uh, he's got great leadership qualities. Um, He's impacted and affected guys in a very, very positive way. He's got a great personality. Uh, I don't know that anybody on our team that doesn't really like him. Um, And I think that was demonstrated by how everybody reacted to um, him getting injured. Control the pace of play on both sides? 
Well, we really wanted to control the tempo of the game on offense. And we knew that time of possession would be really, really important. They have a good offense. We have a good offense. Um, so I knew that if we were going to have a chance to win this game, we were going to have to really control the ball on offense, control the tempo of the game, uh, and score points. Uh, I don't think, I mean, even when Florida's lost two games this year, they scored points. All right, so um, 38 and 34 or whatever. So you, you have to know when you come in to play these guys that you're going to have to score points to win. All right, Shane, so you mentioned it leading up to this. I mean, Landon Dickerson and uh, Saban on Sunday had has actually released some more information. He's out for the season. The rest of the college football playoff, it's terrible news. And mm-hmm. it's kind of, you know, I'm not saying Alabama's beatable now because I certainly don't necessarily think losing one player. We saw how they've adjusted to losing Jalen Waddle, but – I don't know. These injuries are these are going to be tough, and it's going to it's just going to make it that much tougher going into the mm-hmm. tough the the biggest stretch of the season. Of course, they should have no problem with Notre Dame. I'm thinking of the next game down the line, but uh, man, just a tough blow. And you could see how the how his teammates reacted to him when he went down, and he came back out just to watch the closing seconds of the game. Just kind of you feel for a guy like that that it just means so much to him. You know what? Damn Notre Dame, Notre Dame a three score. Right, we're going to get to that here in a minute. But damn, you know, top four team in the country, and you, you what, 19 points? Golly. <laughs> but anyway, um, no, I think I think Alabama's going to destroy Notre Dame. And, uh, I, the, you know, it, it was a huge blow, obviously, because, you know, he was – what I hear, you know, he was a big part of that offensive – like, he was a, a, a team leader. You know, I mean, look, you saw when he was getting carted off, people coming off the sideline to, to, to wish him luck. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, without so, a doubt. I, I mean, that just shows you if, if if you see that type of reaction from teammates, that just kind of shows you what kind of person he is. So I, I hope he's still involved. I hope he's still on the sideline. I think he will be, uh, you know, because Waddle was. But this is, uh, you know, this this team's on a freaking mission, buddy. And I hate that the injury happened because it it took – I watched like several different side angle replays. You can't really – I didn't really see exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it seems like it was unnecessary after the fact. You know what I'm saying? Right. All right, Shane, so let's kick it over to the other side of this one where the Florida Gators again, you know, they put up a good fight. Trask, uh, really good game, 408 yards, three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And Kadarius Tony and Pitts, I mean, they continue to – just play at an All-American level. Tony had eight catches, 153, and a touchdown. Pitts, seven catches, 129, and a touchdown. And they had the ball. I know it was just, uh, I think it was like 15, 16 seconds left in the game. They had to go the length of the field. But they had an opportunity. And to me, Shay, this, uh, again, I'm not trying to pile on Dan Mullen. It may seem like that, but because I, th- I think he's an outstanding coach. But, you know, two really questionable decisions here. End of the first half, they've had an opportunity to milk some clock, and they just scored as quickly as possible. And he was asked about it by CBS. He said, "Hey, we got to score against these guys." I'm not thinking of, uh, you know, trying to milk milk any clock, but that's what you got to do when you're facing Alabama. And what did Alabama mm-hmm. do? They turned right around and they scored in under a minute with six seconds remaining. So, I mean, that was killer. And then the bigger one was at the end of the 
very end of the game, scored a touchdown, decided to go for two, and they called a damn timeout to set up the play. And I, I just, especially when you needed it that badly, that could have made the difference in the world. I mean, they they could have had a real opportunity with about 45 seconds in the game. You know, obviously in college, the, the clock stops with the first down. So they would have had about 45 seconds with Tony and Pitts and Trask back there. It would have been tough, but it would have yeah. gave them an opportunity that they just didn't get because of that burn timeout. And you hate to you hate to see these guys play as well as they did, and then it kind of come down to that, you know? Yeah, and I, I will say out of all of the, I mean, because we can if and but this thing all we want. There was, I mean, there was a little controversy sprinkled in there. There was a, uh, a lot of people. I mean, there was some some questionable calls uh, I kept seeing, but. The thing that I love that I love most about this ball club is it, that I've not seen from a Florida team in a long time was there was no give up. These these guys got scrappy at the end, and I mean it was they could have very easily have just just gave up when it was thirty five seventeen at half. You know what I'm saying? But these guys came out and they just they just didn't stop, and you know made it a ball game there at the end. And and I think you're right if they would have. I mean, some of that was Coach Mullen. Some of it was the players. Some, I mean, there was a lot of different factors that that didn't let uh, Florida get all the way back into this game. Mm-hmm. And my last thought. Well, let's kick it over to Dan Mullen real quick. Let's uh, who spoke after this game, pretty disappointed in himself. He even called himself out, kind of, for the poor clock management and uh, mm-hmm. on his team not giving up. And just you know, he makes a really good point playing eight games, eight SEC games in. Eight weeks. I mean, no break there. Uh, You really got to hand it to Florida for showing up for this one. I mean, Dan, no such thing as moral victories, I know. But what do you guys take away from just the way the team rallied? I mean, the first half, things were going south pretty badly. And just about what character did you guys show tonight? Well, I mean, I thought we showed a lot of character tonight. You know, like I said, I mean, the the, uh, talk about competing as a team. We're always going to compete. We're always going to battle, always going to fight and play. Uh, for four quarters. Um, you know, that was an excellent football team we played tonight. A lot of talented players uh, on their team. Um, you know, give them credit. I mean, that's why they're they're ranked the number one team in the country, uh, deservedly so. And um, But it is, you know, I mean, it showed, showed the character that our guys have, you know, but they've, they've shown that this entire season for everything that we've been through. In terms of the defense, I mean, w- What's your just assessment? I mean, that you played the best offense in the SEC here, but yeah. first half particularly, I mean, five possessions, five scores. Yeah, but I think four of them were stops, and they got first downs on penalties, or they got a third down penalties early. You know, I think we made some mistakes. You know, you're coming into this game, and and you, there's things you got to have to do to win. Um, you know, win the turnover battle. We didn't do that. Uh, we, you know, we made some, a bunch of mental mistakes that really hurt ourselves on defensively in the first half on third down with opportunities to get off the field. And we have some penalties and not get off the field. Um, you know, so, um, give up the, give up that drive at the end of the, the first half, you know, um, all that's, that's disappointing, obviously, but you know, our guys continued to battle all the way to the end, right? That stop there at the end was, uh, you know, I mean, they, they gritted it up and, and got a stop to give the offense ball one more time. 
Hey, Dan, uh, two quick things just first. After that Kyle Pitts touchdown, can you just kind of take us through the thought process of the timeout? Yeah, that and was bad. That was bad clock management on my part. I should have just, we should have had bad it ready to go for two. And, and you know, our, our thought, though, is we're going for two right there. Uh, we're going to try the onside kick. We're here to win. Uh, and it would have given us two two-point conversions at it, you know. So if we didn't get the first one, we'd have to get the second one to tie. And if we got the first one, all we needed there was an extra point to win the game at the end. Uh, so that was kind of the thought process to go for two, um, you know. And then that, that's a that's a that's a bad job by me. We had to, to use that timeout there. Would have loved to have that timeout and given us an extra forty seconds with the ball to try to get the game winning touchdown. Hey, Dan, how do you just process a loss like this personally? I mean, you have to be drained right now emotionally, physically. I mean, that was a roller coaster. Well, I'll be honest with you. This season's been emotionally draining, you know, uh, emotional. I don't, I don't, it, hard to say teams have gone through what we've gone through, right? I think that was our eighth consecutive SEC game. It's amazing the emotional and physical toll that takes on your body for the players. You know, coaches, we'll be fine. We'll get back to work tomorrow. Uh and get this program headed back in the right direction. In, in not in the right direction. I think we're headed in the right direction. Get this program back to getting on path to trying to get here again next year um, to compete for championships. I think you guys know that when I say, you know, it won't be a great program, program that, that uh, competes for championships on a consistent basis, and we want to do that. So, But I do know for our players this season has been in a, a massive emotional and physical tolls um, that I, I'll be honest, I don't know anybody else in the country has been through. Uh, I don't know anybody who's played eight consecutive SEC games right now. Uh, I don't know anybody's played eight consecutive conference games. So I'm really proud of our guys for, for their com commitment and, and desire to battle and fight. And I think the next step for Florida is obviously fans are frustrated with Todd Grantham, but mm -hmm. hell, no one's stopping Alabama. They got a number of stops and a number of drives that would have been stops if not for some stupid penalties. I don't know how that's necessarily on the coordinator. Maybe that's a conversation for a different day. But with a Dan Mullen offense, we have got to have – their leading rusher was Emory Jones with 24 yards. And yeah. you're just not going to win a game like this. And this is – it's a one-off. Remember, it was, it was Tennessee. It was, well, we didn't want to run. LSU, I don't know what the excuse was here. Again, I guess the excuse is you're playing Alabama. But we've got to have more balance in this offense – if you're expected to win games like this. And I've seen it from Dan Mullen offenses before, so I'm not saying it can't be done. And they have been developing and recruiting some good linemen and run back, running backs, but mm -hmm. that's got to change if, if Florida's going to get to the college football playoff. Well, I got, you know, one of the things that I, – I don't know if you remember after the Tennessee game, you know, Dan was asked about this running attack and – and he almost took – it felt like he took a little offense to it. I don't know if you noticed this or this is me maybe reading into it or something like that because it felt like he tried to force that situation the following week when he was playing LSU. And it didn't work, buddy. Uh, the, the, I know that they need balance, and it kind of blows my mind that they don't have it, especially with as, as productive as his passing game is. Mm -hmm. But they they didn't – want to force that issue with Alabama. It's almost like, hey, what was working before the LSU game? That's what we got to get back to. And that's – I felt like at this point, this this far in the season, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's kind of what I felt like Florida was trying to do is just like, hey, 
we've got weapons right now, and it's not in the running game. So let's let's get Pitts, let's get Tony, let's get these guys the ball. Uh, one final thing here on the Gators before we move on. Just wanted to make this note: Kyle Pitts has officially declared for the draft. Does not plan on playing in the bowl game. Certainly understand those decisions after a you know a COVID year. He finished strong. He's going to be a high high draft pick. Doesn't want to jeopardize mm-hmm. that and. You know, just want to uh, recognize him as probably the best Florida tight end ever and one of the best in SEC history. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely hoping he's on my fantasy football team next year. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Shane, next game on the docket here. Texas A&M goes on the road to Tennessee, wins 34-13. to And I don't know about you, Shane. Maybe I was just buying into it a little bit, but – you know, Tennessee came right out of the gate. Harrison Bailey started the game, drove him right down the field, touchdown. Looked like this was going to be a really competitive game. And mm-hmm. then uh, Texas A&M just kind of woke up there in the second half. And, it, I mean, it, it was just – I know it was only 10-0 in the second half, but, but Texas A&M dominated this thing. And, uh, you know, Tennessee's just in such a weird spot where – this was a competitive game, and then there was the play right before halftime. I believe it was a DeAndre Johnson. They they got the stop, but then there was a hands to the face on Kellen Mond. That's a 15-yard penalty, kept the drive alive. Texas A&M scored a touchdown right before half. And for whatever reason, I mean, these gut punches, Tennessee has no answer for going into halftime. And they were just completely not uncompetitive there in the second half. Thoughts on this game? Uh, well, I mean, we could take a whole show talking about what's wrong with Tennessee Volunteers, <laughs> Mike. But the thing that, that I will say, I think Tennessee, and this is a hot take, buddy. I hope you're ready. Mm-hmm. I think the Tennessee Volunteers kept Texas A&M out of college football playoff. Mm-hmm. Just let that sink in for a second, because this was not a pretty win. We talk about signature wins, and they don't matter, buddy. I'm telling you what. If it did matter, it was this Saturday, and Texas A&M needed a damn ass-kicking. That's what they needed. They needed to come out and smash the balls. And starting out the game 0-7, to you know, down to a freshman quarterback, yeah. that's, not what, that's not what Texas A&M needed. And, and it was just conservative. It was just little dinks and dunks, and it was just not sexy. It doesn't – I mean, that doesn't sell tickets. I mean, forget. I mean, this is entertainment, guys. You got to get out here. You got to look fun. And Texas A&M did not look fun the first half. And what hurt them was there was not a lot of games on during this thing. Ten, I mean, SC, this the, everybody in the SEC had their eyes on this game because there was nothing else being played. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just think that it was just bad showing. And that I think that's what kept them out of the playoffs. It. it if you take, I mean, it was just a little dink to the running back, a little dunk to the other running back. It just, it, that's what it felt like, and I think it just bit him in the ass, man. You know, I thought Kellamon overall played pretty well. He did have that terrible interception that kind of kept Tennessee alive there. Mm-hmm. That certainly could have played into what you're saying there because it was it was one of those where it's just like, what in the hell are you doing? You know, uh, we just yeah. take a field goal here, we dominate this game, but. You know, at the same time, I mean, Texas A&M just – I see what you're saying, but at the same time I would say maybe it's just more methodical and efficient 
And no, yeah. When you're going up against, I know, hell, we already saw it against Alabama and they came up short. But if you're playing mm-hmm. in Alabama, you know, maybe the only way to beat them is is in a 60 to 62 shootout. <laughs> but yeah. if you don't have those weapons, I think the only other way is to do what Texas A&M's doing and pile mm-hmm. up 216 yards on the ground and uh, just and 280 through the air. Be very balanced, but a lot of play action, throwing to your tight end, like you said, throwing to the backs. I mean, every, the recipe for Texas A&M in this game, I see why you say it was boring because it was third and two. Third and three, <laughs> third and four, and they throw like a five-yard pass every time. And yeah. Tennessee couldn't stop it. And, you know, that's a credit to Texas A&M because they damn dominated this thing in the second half, and I think the Vols just got frustrated with it. But And it's not it's not fair, you know, for A&M because if you talk about a scripted game, this was perfect. You're not having to do too much. You let Tennessee hang themselves. You get out there, you just you keep – I'm going to tell you, this offensive line, Maybe, I mean, now that uh, what's his name got hurt in Alabama, I, I think honestly Texas A&M's best offensive line in the country right now. What are they calling the Maroon Goons or something like that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean these guys. You ain't a good line, could, an O line, unless you got a nickname. Exactly, you could not get any pressure on Kellen Mond. So, I mean that that's and we were bringing it. There was plenty of heat coming from Tennessee, and these guys just over and over kept picking this up. They had the time of possession. Texas A&M had the ball for 44 minutes to Tennessee's 15. That is perfect, fundamental college football. It's not. It's not sexy, but it's perfect because that will. If you do that, if I'm telling you, if you can walk away from a game with 45 minutes and uh, a third down efficiency of 10 and 14, yeah, you're going to be winning that game. I don't even have to see the score. I know you won. Mm-hmm. Well, let's kick it over to Jimbo after the game, Shane, who went straight into uh, politician mode. Why the Aggies deserve a shot uh, when his this team started to come around and on putting the best teams in the college football playoff. And this team, you know, I, like I said, I haven't lobbied, I haven't said a word, but I'm going to know that you're 8-1 and one in the SEC. We lost the number one team in the country. I don't see somebody else go 8-1 and one in this league and do it and stand up and do it. We're, we can play with anybody we do deserve in it. You're going to hear me say it now. I've, I said I'd wait to our place. That's lets our talk up. But we, we deserve to be in it now. That's that's the committee. That's their thing. But I believe that firmly. I've watched the games. I've, I've seen everybody. We can play with anybody. Coach, do you mind expanding on that a little bit? Just the way this team finished the season. You know, like you said, seven, seven straight games. SEC wins. Seven straight SEC wins. Some schools ain't even playing seven games. Some schools ain't even played seven. Win seven in a row in the SEC and win eight overall. I don't care what league you're in. I don't care. You know what everybody else says. The best, if you want to pick the best fourteen, we're one of them. Does the 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 the, the all ICC schedule and the number of games you guys played, the number of games you won, is that you know why you You're guys are right? Out. It's supposed to it's supposed to matter, and it should matter. Uh, yeah, coach. Um, when did you have a you know looking back? When did you have an idea that that, that this might be a really good football team? Well, you know, after we responded back from Alabama, we played some outstanding games, not just the Florida game, how we responded back, but how the consistency we played after that. And we went on some runs there. We played really good football. I mean, until we had that break, and then we got, got back after that two or three. We, had, we actually didn't play a game for three weeks and didn't play a great one versus LSU offense. We then got back in it. But right there in the middle, I felt we had a chance to be a really good football team. I, my question was, can we can we stay hungry and finish? And that's why it always with always teams who haven't done it yet and haven't been there, you've got to learn to finish all the way through. And I'm going to tell you something, when it gets to the end, it's hard. 
it's really hard. And you gotta, you're tired, you're banged, you're bruised. That's what's separate. I always say they remember November, then December is what really matters, and you finalize in January. And learning to play in those games when it matters at that time of year, there's very few people who do that and do it consistently. And we're learning to do it, and hopefully we can continue to do it. And what would you, uh, how would you respond to those who question whether or not A&M passes the eye test? Eight wins in the SEC. I want to see somebody else do it. And do you think that how many games you have played should matter in this conversation? Yes, I do. That's what it said in the beginning. We said that in the beginning. That's what that is a big part of it. I mean, you're talking about, I mean, like right now, how we are a month out there longer, the injuries, the bangs, the bruises, the practice, all, all that stuff matters. The political end of this thing, trying to get guys out there and they want to push their own schools to get up in there is ridiculous. Put the best teams in it. All right, so obviously these comments came before the selection committee left Texas A&M out, but I just wanted to include them because I can't disagree with anything he just said. You know, give the best teams a shot, and that's kind of the task of the college football playoff committee, I thought, but apparently it's not, and here we are sitting with uh, Texas A&M outside of the playoff, and it's just a damn shame because, yes, and it's being used against them. They lost to Alabama, but... I think even if they would have got Alabama again, I think they it would have been a lot better game this time around. Oh yeah, I do too, man. All right, so skipping over to the other side, Shade. I mean, and we'll never, and we'll, ne- and we're not getting good to see it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I I I, I hope that committee puts that football team on a Zoom call and explains to them why Notre Dame belongs in the college football playoff, but they don't. It's just, it's terrible, man. It's gutless, cowards. Hell yeah. Jimbo's going to track him down, man. He's pretty pumped up. I'm going to tell you right now. Jim, Fast-talking Jimbo, he catches one of them at the Walmart. I'm telling you, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so skipping over to the other side of this one, Shane. I mean, we could talk about this game, but it was not very exciting for Tennessee's purposes, and uh, that's not even the story, really. It's uh, what Indy Hale's going on on Rocky Top. And uh, let's credit the guy that first broke this news. Uh, Trey Wallace of uh, Fox Sports Knoxville reported on Saturday that there was some kind of uh, recruiting violations and and, and investigation. Now, ESPN has come out and said there's no NCAA investigation, according to their uh, Mm -hmm. reporting. It is a but it is a Tennessee investigation. So Eric Gray didn't play in this game. Brian Maurer didn't play in this game. They're both reported by uh, Trey Wallace to be in connected to this situation. So uh, let's kick it over to Jeremy Pruitt real quick, who talked about Eric Gray and why he didn't play. He was, he was asked many times this. Uh, he was, he's asked about the uh, report of, of the investigation. And then finally on his future here at Tennessee. Jeremy, why didn't Eric Gray play today? He was unavailable. Jeremy, there was a report that came out today that stated that your program's under investigation from the NCAA and internally on allegations of um, recruiting and impermissible benefits. Uh, Is that accurate? And and what's your understanding of where that stands? Well, I hadn't hadn't seen no article or anything like that. But anytime in college football or or college athletics, you have typical compliance stuff. And um, that's all I know. Yeah, Coach, on Eric Gray, was he out because of injury, uh, COVID issues? Uh, what, why, why was he unavailable today? You know, the, the entire year, you know, we've really, um, when it's come to our guys from injury to COVID, 
or for whatever reasons, uh, we've always said they're unavailable. Gray's absence or anyone else's absence today, was it, be, was it related to a compliance issue? Guys, I, I've, I've already addressed that one. And then do you feel confident that you'll be the coach moving forward? I know there have been three changes already in a year where people didn't think there would be any. So it's hard to take anything for granted. But do you feel confident you'll be the coach moving forward? Yeah, I think absolutely. If you look what if you look over the first two years we were here, right? Where we at when we got to this when we got here? Um, I've said it before from uh, personnel, uh, culture, uh, what we're what we're building, okay? Uh, and I get it. Third, three and seven is not where we want to be, right? You know, but there's one thing that I can say. I can lay my head down on my pillow every night and know that I've done everything that I could possibly do to make sure that we protected everybody in our program. When looking for a competitive edge, uh, there's lots of things that we didn't know about. You know, uh, if we were going to have a COVID season again, I probably would be a little more prepared to handle it, you know, so. Uh, I, but I get the business. I understand it. Uh, I look at our football team. We've got a lot of really young players on our team. Most of our team will be back. Uh, I think it's a very good indication of how they compete every week. Uh, these guys don't quit. They believe in what we're doing, you know, uh, and they understand that we're not that far away, you know. So um, a lot of these guys, you know, I think they choose to be a part, try to be part of the solution, not the problem. You know, if you look at our team last year, we won, I guess, seven out of our last eight games. Uh, we barely won most of those games, you know, with the exception of UAB. Uh, all of them were a one-possession game, you know. So, uh, those – and a lot of the guys on our team were part of that, you know. So, they understand that there's not much difference in this league. Uh, our margin of error is very small, and, and, and we know that as a staff. So, we're, we're working hard to improve it. All right, Shane, so every time we've played one of these clips, <laughs> the coach has been fired about a week or two later at the latest. So, uh, man, so much going on here. I just wanted to get your thoughts, and then I'll kind of share what I've been hearing behind the scenes. Well, the the rumor mill is flying, Mike. I, I Honestly, it, it, like I said at the beginning of the show, it just depends who you talk to. I'll, I'll talk to some folks, and it's like this decision is going to be made probably first thing Monday morning. And then it's like, the others are like, well, no, we can't afford it. And, you know, yeah, there's, and this, this allegation stuff, that's not a big deal. I think we're just over that. I mean, so it just depends on which group or which party you talk to. But so that being said, Mike, I really have no clue. I, I don't know. I have no idea. So I'm hoping you can give me a little clarity here. Mm -hmm. Well, I've been hearing starting uh, earlier last week, that Tennessee's been trying to find a way to basically fire Pruitt mm -hmm. or get him to resign to where they don't owe him any money. And I didn't really feel comfortable sharing that information, but then this comes out. And if this isn't even an NCAA investigation, if this is just a Tennessee investigation, what that means is someone in that damn building is uh, getting this information yeah. out there. Right. So it it's We got a rat, buddy. <laughs> exactly. It so that, I mean, that kind of tells you all you need to know if all, if all that adds up uh, is uh, the fact that they're just, I think they're trying to move on from them, but they just, at this point, they don't want to bite the bullet and, and have to deal with all that. And, you know, if this uh, investigation reveals a bunch and, you know, I've seen tweets from, you know, you never know what these people, 
what their motives are or anything, but mm-hmm. there was one in particular. I think from a uh, Knoxville reporter. I I I'd give him his. I'd say his name if uh, if I knew it, but he's not not a big time Tennessee sports writer. That's why I'm kind of. I don't know how much credit I put behind it, but he he just noted. Man, I've heard from so many SEC coaches, you know how mm-hmm. how they're breaking all the rules at Tennessee. But hey, you can go at all fourteen schools. You can, yeah. <laughs> you you hear those things, you know. So if that's all you've got to say, I mean, I I don't have a lot of I don't put a lot of credence to what to just that comment. But hell, we can't even we can't even cheat and win, Mike. That's <laughs> that's where we're at, Tennessee. <laughs> we. We get caught cheating, and we still go three and seven. So, golly, Mike, I just yeah. No, what, what would tend to, uh, what would the if I'm not saying this is going to happen, but if it did, if the NCA had to drop the hammer, you know, and strip wins, mm-hmm. uh, man, those uh, those wins over South Carolina, I mean, that's about what they'd be taking, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely, man. Well, I tell you, man, everything I'm hearing, it's it's going to be after Christmas. This is like the ones that are saying that that this is going to happen. It, it's not going to happen before Christmas. It'll happen after. There's really no rush. So uh, if, if something does happen, I, that's when I think it'll happen. But again, I, I don't know. It, it, maybe these allegations. This is what this is what I'm hearing. So those allegations are just they're looking for reasons to get rid of him and not have to pay, you know, right. well, hell we just, we're just now getting Butch Jones off the payroll and now we're going to have to start forking out some, of course, if you remember, there's a huge ABC contract that they just signed. So I doubt money's a huge issue, but well, you know, now like important note, Shane, universe. that doesn't kick in for a couple years. Oh, that's, I, yeah. Tw- no, till I mean, 2024. They just go to Cash Express and just tell them to hold that check till two years. <laughs> now, let me ask you this, Shane. I know the completely different situation, but does this feel at all maybe like uh, – remember it was this time last year we were saying Joe Moorhead has got to win the Egg Bowl. He's got to win the Egg Bowl. He won the Egg Bowl. They fired Matt Luke. And then you say, okay, I guess – I guess Moorhead's safe, and then we had the fight during bowl practice, and then they lose a bad game to Louisville, and they turn around immediately and fire him. Mm-hmm. Could you see a situation similar to that to where we'll get to Tennessee's bowl game here in a moment, but they they are going to the bowl game, and you know it's they're not playing a <laughs> they're not playing Clemson or anything, so it should be a competitive game. If they get blown out the water, could you see a, a situation where they fire him after the bowl game? Uh, n- well, no, I, I just, because bowl games, you know, they don't really matter. I mean, this, I mean, it does for the extra practices and stuff like that, but what does that benefit a coach? It's not even going to be there, you know? So I, I think if there's a decision going to be made, I think it's made before the bowl game, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And Hey, a little bit, I don't know if I'd call this breaking news here, Shane, but Fulmer has released a statement talking about Tennessee's bowl game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of boilerplate stuff here. But at the end, it says, uh, this is a tremendous development opportunity for our team and should serve as a primer to spring practice for Coach Pruitt and our returners. So, you know, take hmm. that with a grain of salt. But it'd be kind of weird if Fulmer's 
issuing the statement, and then he turns around and fires Pruitt. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I Honestly, I just – I don't know. I don't see him getting fired. I know it sounds crazy. You talk to somebody, they'll call me nuts. I just don't see it happening because you factor in the money lost for COVID and stuff like that. It just – but, I mean, and look who you're going in, in, in the ring with. Unless they've got somebody lined up, they definitely don't need to. They don't need to pull the trigger because last thing we need is is the same situation we had last year or the last time. And you know, it's like okay, A, B, and C didn't work out, so we we got to get you know Coach F. Well, and a little behind the scenes for the listeners, it seems like it depends on what day I ask Shane. He thinks Pruitt's fired or he's coming back. So <laughs> this could change by Monday. <laughs> It really could, man. I, I just, at this point, I, I'm glad to see the young players playing. Uh, it sucks that Gray wasn't out there because whatever. But, um, you know, I really like this. I, I like the talent we have on this team. I like the talent that we've got coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but you gotta have you got to have the full staff. And, you know, this, is, this was the knock on Coach Pruitt when he got the job. You know, it's a position he's never had. He's good. If you remember, uh, what's his name? The the Georgia coach or Georgia player? Uh, oh, what was his name? The quarterback that had the comments. You know, he's like, he he knows Pruitt can scheme. He knows he can do. Uh, uh, you go coach the defensive side of the ball, but can he do the behind the scenes? Can he meet with the boosters? Can he be the CEO? Uh, you I know, think you're, I think, I think that, you're thinking of Aaron Murray. I think he said that at SEC Media Days one year. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think. I, I think, and I hate to admit it, but he's been kind of right on the on the the idea that he can do defense, he can be coach, he can scheme up, but there's some things that he can't do, and he needs to let go and and let the the offense make these decisions and, and coordinators, you know, with Cheney and make the just I don't know maybe the because I've heard that he's had some problems with the with the front office as well, mm-hmm. and, and that's why we have this you know, this allegations coming out. This isn't an NCAA investigation. This is something that was self-induced. Somebody said, Hey, fruit's cheating. You know, <laughs> so it's like, what well, you know, you've got that in, you got, you got a Fox in the hen house, man. So mm-hmm. I just, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's ugly. It's murky. I just, but we're talking a lot of money, man. And I just don't see it. You know, I just don't, I just don't see it happening to be honest with you. Unless, unless they've got someone lined up. And it's got to be somebody that we want, a proven winner. John Gruden. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Shay, we could spiel on all night about Let's Let's yeah. move on to, uh, and, we'll, and we'll certainly be talking more of uh, what's going on, the rumor mill there in, in episodes to come. But uh, we got to move on. Let's move on to, man, you want to talk, again, people that love defense are going to be crying if they watch this one. LSU 53, Ole Miss 48, about 50 points more than the over-under that Shane bet on live on the show. (laughs) And this thing, there was a downpour. There was uh, turnovers left and right. And we got opt-outs from both sides. We got, uh, you know, just, just young players all over the field. So it made sense why you'd. Bet the under, but my goodness, Shane, I mean, these defenses could not 
stop the offenses from either team. And Max Johnson, man, we got to give this guy some love because he's in two games. He's went into the uh, as a starting quarterback for LSU, went into the game as an underdog, came out on top straight up on both of them. That's incredibly difficult to do. Keishon Butte broke an SEC record chain, most receiving yards in a single game. 14 catches, 308 yards, three touchdowns, including the game-winning touchdown in the closing seconds of the game. And, man, LSU, no matter what they've been through, no matter who they've lost, they've got a lot to build around here. And, and I'm pretty fired up, man, if I'm an LSU fan. And and maybe we got rid of some guys that uh, that didn't want to be there and you know, now we know who cares about being an LSU Tiger. And and not only the young guys, because some seniors like Jacob, Jacoby Stevens and Neil Farrell stepped up to make plays too. So this was a total team effort. And there was many opportunities for LSU to fold in this one. And the Tigers come out on top. And, and remember, this is their final game of the season because of the bull ban. <laughs> well, Mike, I'm going to tell you right now. I mean, I... I, I would have bet the mortgage that 67 points would not have happened in this game. Seriously. Your two, well, two of your biggest weapons for Ole Miss opted out. Mm-hmm. You've got, um, you've got the weather situation. It was so, it was nasty, man. And I just, I was like, there's just no way. And, and I tried not to watch a game. I will say this, Mike, when I do over unders, I try not to watch, but, I flipped over and it was like 21-14 or something like that. I was like, golly, in like the first quarter it felt like, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, you know what, let's just see what's going on here because this looks entertaining. And I'm telling you what, man, even though I burnt through that $50, I, I, I put that little joke on there, I ain't burnt $50 that quick since I was – spring break or something you know it's like <laughs> i mean that 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 bet was gone almost at halftime but it was a it was so entertaining man it felt like i was playing madden watching this thing you know just like airing it up like who cares you throw an interception who cares you throw four interceptions who cares you know that's we're just gonna keep playing offense man and i just <laughs> i absolutely loved it it was a great game the kids looked like they had a lot of fun uh, and it came down to the wire, brother. Yeah, I mean, there's so many reasons for, you know, not just LSU, but a lot of these teams to to give up. We've seen so many opt-outs and, and you know, they're at, at or below the scholarship limit, yet they're fighting hard, look like they were having the time of their lives out there. And this kind of was, it was almost like the LSU Bowl. You know, this was, this was their postseason. And, yeah. man, for – not that long ago, it was people just mocking LSU. I don't think the national champion had, you know, come off the next year and had a losing season. Everyone was prepared to fire off those tweets, but uh, they beat Florida. They beat Ole Miss, two rivals, and all of a sudden the narrative change here in LSU. They just signed another top recruiting class, a, a top five class, I think it was. So, mm-hmm. man, I'm fired up. I'm thinking that. Uh, you can't you can't bury Coach O and LSU that quick, baby. They're they're right back mm-hmm. in it. You know what I mean? And and this is a, an exciting team that I'm going to be really looking forward to next year as uh, as they get a year older. And we'll see if there's any staff changes. We we'll probably need to probably need to mix up some of that. But uh, that's for a different day, man. Because today's a today's a good day to be an LSU Tiger. 
Absolutely, man. The the future is bright. I mean, you talk about some extremely young and talented players. LSU has them, and if they can, I fully expect a little little bit of uh, coaching changing uh, going on mm-hmm. in the off season. But you know, you get a good spring practice in, then you know, I think I think these guys are going to be uh, they're going to be all right next year. Let's kick it over to Coach O real quick, Shane, on uh, Keishon Butte and Max Johnson, how they, you know, their connection they've got going on, on the team fighting and staying together, uh, on the senior leaders leadership of this team making big plays in this game, and then on the uh, momentum of his program now heading officially into the offseason. Coach, uh, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Terrace Marshall Jr. all fall just shy of that Josh Reed mark at 293. Uh, and two true freshmen, Max is able to hit Kayshawn to go go ahead late and put him over 300 yards. What can you say about the connection between those two yeah. uh, in, a, in a game where you needed every bit of it? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of hard work going into that. Uh, those guys, uh, you can come in the office on Saturday and Sunday uh, in the summer. Uh, they're throwing. They're working out on their own. Um, students of the game, uh, two outstanding young players, great, great job of uh, – calling according to the coverages and putting the ball in our best players' hands. I was very proud of him. Coach Keyshawn really has just turned it up and not the last couple of games. What do you think really clips for him in the back half of this season? You know, confidence, obviously. You know, the day Jamar Chase left, Keyshawn had a tremendous practice. Man, he was catching the goal route about as good as anybody I've seen. But he's learned the offense. Uh, he's not only a, a speed receiver. Uh, he runs good route, especially to dig, and he catches all the balls thrown to him. So he's made a bunch of improvement. Uh, still has a lot of uh, ways to go. I think he's going to be a one of the great players that we have here at LSU. Yeah, you know, I think that uh, we fought through adversity, obviously. Uh, we stayed with each other, and those guys that uh, chose not to opt out to finish, uh, very proud of them, very proud of the seniors who played their last games. Uh, and, you know, I think it showed the young guys, too, that never quit. Just keep on working. You know, the elation in the locker room after the Florida game, uh, the elation on uh, Wednesday when we had a great signing class, and the elation today was something that uh, you can't replace. It's just it, it's, it's uh, something that when you fight hard and you work for it, uh, it's something to, to behold. Hey, Coach. Uh, two seniors, Neil Farrell and uh, Jacoby Stevens, made two huge plays for you down the stretch. There. Yeah. Just, uh, what does that mean for those guys? Yeah, it meant a lot. You know, Neil, Neil decided to go uh, home for a little bit because his grandma was sick and came back and fought. Uh, Jacoby Stevens uh, became a leader for us. I, I saw him at the end of the year uh, starting to play better and uh, became a leader and, and, you know, kept everybody together. So I'm very proud of both of those guys. There's something they can hang their hat on. They can walk away proud. Coach Chester Boucher with WVLA. Max threw his first pick, but the way he responded, what did you see yeah. from him? You know, it, he's got ice in his veins. I mean, his dad was a Super Bowl champion quarterback. He was raised, you know, Raised on football, he knows uh, he knows how to react. Uh, Max is even keeled. Uh, he's the same guy every day, and uh, just proud of him. He 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 matured a lot tonight. He matured a lot in the swamp. He's going to be a great quarterback for us. Hey, coach, uh, 
Coach, you know, it seemed, you know, for really, you know, these last two games, you guys are really trying to, you know, build some confidence heading into next year. And I'm just curious, you know, these last two performances, these last two weeks of practice, just where do you feel about this program going into the offseason and just kind of everything that, that's kind of come with this season? I'm excited about it. Obviously, I'm excited about the, guy, the guys that stayed with us on the side of the guys that are coming back. I think that we're going to have a, a little bit more of a, uh, guys staying uh, than have left before. I'm going to talk to a lot of guys that have an opportunity with the extra year to come back, especially on the offensive line. Hopefully I can get most of those guys back. We'll see. Lane, you've talked about finishing. You've talked about it a lot this season. Is that something that can be taught to players, or do you think that's just kind of something innate? I don't know. Um, we talk about it, obviously. You know, but you just got to make the plays. We could manage situations better, too. You know, we wasted two timeouts in the first half on defense. We wasted one at the end there on offense and, you know, like to pride ourselves that we don't do that. And we did, um, you know, they they were out of timeouts, you know, in the fourth quarter. So, you know, had we not wasted that one timeout also, even after all the bad stuff that happened in the last turnover by Matt, you know, we still uh, would have had one extra one to stop them. They would have had to punt the ball back to us. So just, just really frustrated, especially because we did come all the way back, down 16. We go on a 28 to six run, um, which was awesome. The energy, the sidelines, it, it was all great. It was all aligned to, you know, be a great, great story and a great ending to the regular season. And, um, you know, especially, I thought it would have meant a lot to do that without Kenny and especially without Elijah, you know, just to show guys stepping up. And, but we didn't finish it. Lane, you mentioned rust. Is that uh, what you thought was going on with Matt and the interceptions in the first half? Yeah, I'm not making excuses, but I did feel like that, um, which I was nervous about, you know, that we hadn't played for so long. Um, kind of like I think when we played Vanderbilt, they were in the same situation. I felt like that with them, you know, missed tackles, timing, um, and also, you know, not making excuses, Elijah not being there and guys playing new spots. Mingo had to play inside, which, you know, he really hadn't done. So um, I think Matt will be the first one to tell you he didn't play very well. You know, competed really hard. Kind of probably, he probably was, you know, an example of what our team was. You know, we didn't execute really well, didn't do the right things at times, but, you know, played really hard, competed really hard, tried to win, but, you know, didn't do the other things right. All right, so strong comments there from Coach O'Shea, but another team, even though you lost this game, which is not the outcome you wanted. Ole Miss, jumping to the other side, they've got a lot of momentum going into the offseason. You know, if not for uh, six turnovers, as incredible as that is, they had six turnovers in this game. LSU scored 33 points off those turnovers. That was the key to the game. But, hell, before the sixth and final one, Ole Miss had the ball. They were, you know, in a position to win this game. I've never seen anything like it where there's a 5-1 to one turnover margin and you're about to win it. Uh, but uh, Matt Corral just made one too many mistakes in this one. And, you know, credit the uh, the Rebels here, Shane, where Elijah Moore and Kenny Yaboda uh, both opted out before this game. I don't know what was up with that, but you certainly think they would have won with those guys in the lineup, but they damn near won it without them, you know. So it seems like uh, Lane Kiffin, is he's really cooking down there at Ole Miss right now. Hell yeah, every, every struggling program's 
calling Lane Kiffin as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> and Ole Miss is just praying they can keep them because if they do, yeah, they've got a lot of they've got a bright future as well. So um, I think if you're an Ole Miss fan, the only thing you're worried about is your head coach right now. Mm-hmm. All right, um, Jane, last game here. Let's kick it over to, man, Mississippi State. Did not see this one coming, but the Bulldogs in the regular season on a high note beat Missouri 51-32. to I hope you didn't bet the under on this one either, Shane, because, uh, man, the Bulldogs came, came out firing. Will Rogers, 295 yards passing, three touchdowns. Jaden Wally, the true freshman receiver, continues to show that uh, he's got the stuff, man, to be number one SEC target. Five catches, 129 yards, and a touchdown. And uh, this was just an all-out performance here because they've caused uh, uh, four turnovers from Missouri, including three interceptions. They got down early in this game, never got behind or, or never got discouraged, I should say. And, you know, this is uh, – they had the running game going here too, I I couldn't believe I didn't think we'd ever see a day, Shane, where Mississippi State rushed for 150 yards of the Mike Leach era. Well, we got it now, and this just has a feel that, uh, you know, this is what Mississippi State could be under Mike Leach, and it and it's so promising because again, they've got so many freshmen and sophomores playing. And how about those black uniforms? I mean, <laughs> they need to wear those more often, yeah. don't they? <laughs> Absolutely, man. They're undefeated when they wear them, Mike. So, uh, no, this was a, this was an unusual game. Definitely didn't see this going this way. Um, I, I would love to see. I, I know they don't do over unders on college football, but I, I would be curious. Like if Vegas did it, like I bet it was like forty yards rushing for Mississippi State or thirty five. And like you said, the fact they came out and had over a hundred that. That was not something I was expecting. That's the kind of coaching that I wanted to see from the Pirate. You know, mix things up. Uh, it took the last game of the season to do it, but they really did take advantage of uh, Mizzou's lack of depth there on defense. Mm-hmm. Well, let's kick it over to Mike Leach, Shane, talking about uh, finishing on a high note and being able to run the ball. And then uh, senior linebacker Errol Thompson got hurt in this game, but it didn't slow down the momentum, and Mississippi State just uh, – it's almost like they played, you know, inspired for Thompson in this one. And just in terms of the ebbs and flows of this year and what, what kind of the ups and downs, I guess for a game like this, what does this do for you guys as a team just to have a win like this and to come out and win kind of resoundingly? Well, we're excited. You know, our team's been excited to play from the beginning. I think there's probably some confidence to be drawn from that, certainly from the film. And because uh, there were some very good plays uh, in this game, you know, some um <clears throat> very competitive plays where guys just played really hard and you know and <clears throat> I felt like our guys did play like they you know wanted to play more I mean you know if uh if this game went into extra innings uh, so to speak uh, I think we would have liked to have kept playing um but I think that uh uh you know I think part of it is just the whole execution getting used to the guy next to you and it's been a gradual process and we're certainly not there yet i mean uh if you saw some of the plays i saw out there to the negative uh uh no we're not there yet but um you know we we took a step today 
season high, 151 yards. Was that something that was in the game plan that you wanted to do more this week, or was that maybe a product of the offensive line just continuing to improve and opening up holes and doing some things for you there? I thought we played better on the offensive line, and I thought our backs did a better job uh, <clears throat> uh, reading, uh, reading the holes and things like that. And I also think that, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, some of, you know, some of the balls we threw early uh, probably opened some things up for us. Mike, you mentioned that first drive. Obviously, you don't want to lose a team captain on the second play of the game, but uh, Missouri does go down and score. But then it seems like you guys kind of just you know put that behind you and rallied. What can you say about your team for doing that? It's not an easy thing to lose a captain and, and still play the way they did. I'm sure. I, I was surprised, proud of the way they played. I thought they played competitively, and that that's the thing is you know we have been competitive uh, really all year in practice. Practice hard play hard we just do it incongruently we just do it in spurts and sort of segmented I mean we're uh well we're a young enough team as it is and then when you have all all kinds of contact tracing and all that uh, business and interruptions then uh well then it splinters it further so I think sometimes it's uh tough to get a 10 over the circus when that happens and so then I thought that uh uh, but we have been making steps that way, and and uh, and it looked better today. It's certainly not perfect, but I thought you know we were aggressive, competitive, and again, I was really proud of them for that. All right, Shane. So I said this on Twitter and got a lot of feedback, so I'll say it here. I mean, this is another team similar to LSU. If I'm a Mississippi State fan, I know this season didn't go as you expected, but you got so much promising talent, and I don't think. For the most part, the pieces you had to work with or you inherited really match what you what you wanted to do. But now they're starting to gel. The defense, you know, if they're if they're as coached as, as well as they have been, their their talent is going to be on the rise. And once Mike Leach has got more receivers that he can trust, and this offensive line comes together, I mean, we could get more of these fifty point Mississippi State games in the future. And I can't wait for it. Oh, for sure, man. And then, you know, last thing on the flip side, Missouri. I mean, I just think they're kind of falling apart here on this one. And this is just <laughs> <laughs> Connor, Connor, Connor Basilak. I mean, give him credit because he's, you know, I think he's he's exceeded every single expectation. So I'm not going to pile on him. But towards the end of the mm-hmm. season, banged up, kind of forcing some balls here. Three interceptions, that was a killer in this one. But I think he's just fighting through it. And they got their dang backup quarter. Or the guy that started the season, Sean Robinson, he's a <laughs> playing in the secondary now. He's a starting safety because that's just where Missouri's at with their numbers. And Larry Roundtree, 121 yards, two touchdowns. He had the first score of the game. That's I was feeling good about my Missouri pick after the, at that point. but uh, And he has just announced, Shane, that he's coming back. Or, or excuse me, not coming back. I shouldn't have said that. He has just announced that he is going to play in the bowl game. That's 2020 for you, Shane. We have to announce when the seniors are planning to play in a bowl game. But, uh, <laughs> man, I, I, Missouri, brighter brighter things are, are coming. But just this was uh, – it's almost like Georgia took their soul, man. It just wasn't their day. That That's – or wait, Georgia. Well, Georgia beat oh, the shit out of yeah. them last week, you know. Yeah, I got you. No, I, I think you're right, Mike. And uh, I, I think 
obviously at the end of the season, I still really like what Eli's done with this program. Uh, he comes out here in a minute. Well, you know, you're going to hear him talking about the COVID numbers and COVID situations. You know, they've been finding it a little harder than most. It felt like this season, but I, I, I really do think that, you know, a couple more years, a couple more recruiting classes, you know, Mizzou's going to be dangerous. They're going to be one of those teams that, that sneak up and can be in any game, any given moment in the SEC. Just because what I have seen from Coach Eli is freaking impressive as far as his offensive play calling. He, he, he schemes them up really nice. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned it there. Let's kick it over to Drink, where this was <laughs> one of the best questions I've heard all the the entire weekend here. Was Missouri drinking the Kool-Aid after uh, <laughs> they got ranked here? And he, he didn't seem to appreciate that one too much. Hey, Coach. Obviously, you haven't watched the game film yet, but I'm just curious, uh, what lessons could Basilak learn from today's performance, today's game? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I thought we pressed early. Um, you know, trying to force the ball when it didn't need to be. And then, you know, when we cut it to 16, we had a wheel route to, to um, Bannister. You know, they, they were in cover three, and the guy trailed with him. He's got to come back to the check down there and, and uh, was trying to force it to try to make a play. Same thing on that pick six. You know, he's trying to force a flag throw when he could have thrown the under. And You know, that's just growing pains. That's part of being in those situations. You can't get it all back at the time. And, and uh, that's what we, he was trying to do. And, We'll learn from it. Um, yeah, Eli, you mentioned the the change in momentum early. Why why do you think the team wasn't able to respond very well from the muff punt? Well, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. That kind of happened to us last week, too, when they scored right before half and the momentum shifted and we never really responded. I don't know if it's just um, – I don't know what it is, but something that I'll – and we'll spend a lot of time trying to fix and work on because we have to be able to respond to the ebbs and flows of football games. And, and uh, we just, we didn't do it tonight. Yeah. Good evening, Eli. Uh, I know you've, you've joked about this phrase before, but uh, last couple of games after your t- team was ranked, did they drink the Kool-Aid at all a little bit or were there other issues with the last two weeks? Yeah. I don't think we drank any Kool-Aid. I think the fact is we're down to 52 players. The guy that was our starting quarterback, for the first two games of the season's playing safety for us in the entire second half. I mean, we just – we're doing every single thing we can to play the game. And, you know, when you when you get down to this kind of stuff, the, the execution's not where it needs to be in order to be successful. And that's what happened. And offensively, we pressed too much. So, no, our guys aren't sitting around talking about how good they are. Um, I mean, we, we just – we're just not playing – we didn't play good football tonight, but – all right, Shane, I think we were all drinking the Missouri Kool-Aid there for a minute, but then, uh, you know, I don't want to say reality struck, but just more, you know, the uh, the losses and the lack of depth and everything like that, that's what really struck. So, again, bright things are coming, I get, for Missouri, but it just they just didn't have the, the roster to handle a 10-game SEC slate, and that's kind of what we thought – would happen to a lot of these teams, but it just took till December to get there. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I think they're going to be much better equipped to handle the season next year. You know what? Oh, yeah, man. I, I, I do, too. It's just another one that really needed that spring practice, I think. And I think mm-hmm. these bowl games and extra practices that they get, I think it's going to be beneficial as well. All right, Shane, last thing we got here. We got, uh, man, a full slate of SEC 
bowl action. Check out this shade. This is incredible. There's tw- there's only 29 bowls this year. Yeah. 12 of them have SEC teams. So nearly half the bowls. I mean, this is <laughs> SEC bowl heaven here. But uh I'm going to go I'm just going to go down the list of date but by date so that uh to me, I don't know if that's, it's least confusing that way. I don't know about you, but how's that sound, buddy? Okay. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so 2-8 and eight South Carolina. <laughs> They're in a bowl. <laughs> you get a bowl. I was thinking Oprah Winfrey. You get a car. You get a, you get a bowl game. <laughs> so December 26th, day after Christmas, the Gasparilla Bowl, South Carolina, UAB, and an opening line chain, UAB. Favorite? Can you t- take a wild guess? What What do you think UAB's favorite is? God, better not be more than two, Mike. Three UAB by three. <laughs> <laughs> what's it? What's the name of the bowl? Gasparilla. I, I think it's in Tampa, Tampa, Florida. Oh, okay, well, that's nice. But hey, I mean, hey, well, one last chance for South. Car- I didn't think we were going to get another South Carolina game. To be honest with you, who's right. going to coach it? Uh, I think it's Mike Bobo, or I don't think for whatever reason I don't know. I have no idea why this is a damn the way it is, but uh, I don't think the new coach is allowed to coach in the game. Okay. All right, uh, we got two games here on December 30th, Shane. The Music City Bowl. That's uh, Missouri versus Iowa. What's the point spread guess for this one? Oh, shit, man. I have no idea. Iowa, is that is that Division Two team? <laughs> I don't know. Did they... I bet they lost to Ohio State, so uh, I, I don't know, 20, 15. Iowa favored by 14. 15, okay, 14, all right. And then uh, the Cotton Bowl will also be on December 30th. It, now, here's a good mm-hmm. one, Shane. Florida versus Oklahoma, the Big 12 champs. Oh, that'd be fun. Who would you favor in this one? Oh, Florida. By, by far. Yes, 18 sir. 18 points. Oh, Florida favored by three. You might want to jump on that one. Sheet. Well, see, that's I hate I hate betting on bowl games, Mike. I got you. I got you. Just, I, and yeah, I don't want to put I don't know. want to put you on the spot. With last time yeah. last time you bet on the show, <laughs> it ended poorly. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? All right. Uh, how I about did, I did bet I did bet on one of these, and I'll tell you when I get there. Okay, uh, New Year's Eve, December thirty first, the Armed mm-hmm. Forces Bowl, Shane, Mississippi State. Versus Tulsa, and Tulsa just played for their, uh, I don't even know what league they're in, but they just played for the championship. Who would you favor in this mm-hmm. matchup? Mississippi State by 18. Tulsa favored by two. I'm, I, you're going to notice a theme here, Mike. What do you got next? Uh, also on New Year's Eve, Liberty Bowl, Tennessee versus West Virginia. Who's favored in this one? That's ironic. What if we were liberated after this game from Coach Pruitt? <laughs> uh, I'm going to go uh, Tennessee favored by 16. West Virginia favored by four. Okay, final New Year's Eve game here. Texas Bowl. This should be a good one. Arkansas versus TCU. Guess the line for this one, Shane. Mm, Arkansas. And I'm going to say... 12. TCU favored <laughs> by five. <laughs> yeah, they're wrong. They're okay, wrong. New Year's days. So here's where we get, uh, you know, the big game. Citrus Bowl, January 1st. Auburn versus Northwestern. Who do you favor in this one, Shane? 
Auburn by 17. <laughs> Northwestern favored by three and a half. The, oh, fight, uh, the fighting Kevin Seals here. Yeah, so Northwestern. So is it the Big Ten runner-ups? Is that what they are? I think so, yeah. God, it just sucks. I hope Auburn brings it, man. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, the Rose Bowl. So we already know this. Alabama-Notre Dame playoff game. Who do you favor in this one? The Ro- Wait, say it one more time. The, Ro- the Rose Bowl? The Rose Bowl. Alabama versus Notre Dame. Playoff game. Oh, now this is the one I actually put money on. So I know what the spread is. It was 19, right? Yes, sir. So I put a hundo on Alabama. You might be have, able to kept, cover have, that at halftime. They're going to have 19 before the quarter's up. So... <laughs> They're going to smoke the fighting Irish. That's so stupid. You better get in on that. I wonder. I'd love to. Tomorrow, let's see what the spreads change because I bet it changes tomorrow. Final New Year's Day game here, Shane, with uh, involving an SEC team. Peach Bowl, Georgia versus Cincinnati. Who do you hmm. who would you favor in this one? And Cincinnati, I believe, uh, is undefeated. Right, but. They may not be after Georgia smokes them. So I'm going to say Georgia 24. Georgia by six. That That's a sneaky bet one right there, too. Golly. Kirby's going to kick some tail. I just hope that they, they bring it. I mean, that's one of those things. We're going to have some opt-outs here, you know, for these bowl games. All right, final uh, day here. We got three bowl games on January 2nd. The Orange Bowl, Shane. Texas A&M. Versus North Carolina. That should be a good one. Who do you favor in that one? Uh, who's playing North Carolina? Texas A&M in the Orange Bowl. Texas A&M. Okay, well, I'm going to go with them fighting Aggies because they should have been in the – well, no, not fighting Aggies, sorry. I'm going to go with the Aggies, and I'm going to say 32. <laughs> <laughs> Texas A&M favored by six. Okay. All right, the Tax Slayer Bowl, January 2nd, Kentucky versus North Carolina State. Who do you like in this one, Shane? Uh, I'm going to go Kentucky, mm-hmm. and we'll say, we'll say 22. Favored by three, Kentucky. Oh, man, get on it, guys. SEC all day, every day. All right, last one here. Outback Bowl. This should be a fun one. Ole Miss versus Indiana. The I think the second best team in the Big Ten. <laughs> who, who do you think's favored in this one? Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Going hang. I say thirty-one <laughs> and a half. <laughs> Indiana favored by seven. So main takeaway here. Why in the hell are all these teams favored over the SEC? I mean, this is uh, – they're, they're in for a rude awakening because last time I checked, Shane, SEC goes about 10-1 and one every damn bowl season. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's a stupid – that's a stupid call, stupid bet. So, uh, I'm going SEC all day, every day. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane. Hey, I know I, we, this has been a long one. Uh, that's all I've yes. got. Do you have anything else before we hop off here? No, that's pretty much it, man. I don't think I've drank that much in a podcast ever. So I apologize. Clean me up, Mike. Uh, I just, I'm upset, but I'm happy. We've got a few more games left. So just 
I mean, it's it, man. You know, college football's almost over, and it's sad, and it's a little depressing. So, mm-hmm. you know, sponge up these – I know some of these bowl games, you're like, golly, I cannot wait to not watch that game. But <laughs> I will be watching that game because that's where we're at, Mike. We're almost done with college football. You know, SEC is the only conference to, to play grown-up football the entire season. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to reward these kids by – getting those ratings up because I enjoy everything that they've done and what they put on the line so that we could be entertained on Saturdays. Hey, last thing I got, Shane, before we hop off here real quick, just wanted to make this note. Uh, Vanderbilt officially introduced Clark Lee with a press conference here on Sunday, and I knew this was going to be a loaded show with uh, you know all the game breakdowns and the bowl games and everything like that, so... If you're a Vanderbilt fan and you're wondering where in the hell is that content, I'm going to get to that on the next episode. I'm going to reach out to a guest to potentially break that down this week. Uh, cl- thoughts on Clark Lee's hire at Vanderbilt, but just wanted to make that note. But uh, hey, buddy, I appreciate you sticking it out here and, and drinking six beers during a single <laughs> podcast. Got to be a record. It's a good way to close out 2020. But uh, thanks, as always, for, for joining me. And I really appreciate everybody tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. Alright, see you guys. Go balls. I'm sorry. So I think it's going to be. I'm ordering something off. I'm ordering something off Grubhub. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> it couldn't, it couldn't no, wait ahead. five more minutes. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Next. Actually, John, John's about to have a rude awakening here because in this little town, everything closed. Okay. Sorry. All right. Go ahead. <laughs>